friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. You are listening to an audio version. This podcast is presented by our good friends over at NetAlly for 25 years. They have been your ally for the best diagnostic handheld tools in the industry. They help you plan, deploy, evaluate, and troubleshoot wired and wireless networks with ease. Well, tonight I am joined by my good friend, the millionaire man, Stan the Man, Stan Lusant from Fluid Design. Stan, how are you? I'm doing well, Marvin, yourself. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good here in Florida. Hey, listen, you sent some of our sunshine here in Jersey. It's peeking in the window right now. So, uh, so I got, I, I was asked to go outside for a walk, but I said, no, I got a podcast with Uncle Marv today, so I can't make that happen. Listen, listen, you were in, you snuck into Florida a couple of months ago and didn't let me know. And, you know, Fort Myers, Bonita Springs, that's, you know, that's just a John across Alligator Alley. Yeah, but most people don't like going across Alligator Alley, but I should have known better, right? That you're, you, you are a man of mystery. So I could have probably gotten you out there. I did sneak in, snuck in to visit some of my snowbird friends from up in Jersey, uh, who were down there and, uh, surprise him for his birthday. And, uh, you know, that was it. It was good times though, man. Good times in sunny Florida. Got away from the winter that we had here in Jersey. That's All for right. sure. Well, yeah, next time you got to let me know because there is no excuse that I can give to the wife that if there's an opportunity, for her to get over to the nice white sand of the Gulf Coast and get some shells, she will take it. So, I have to tell you, I was actually disappointed with my shelling experience this time around. Last time I was down there, I mean, I got shells the size of my hand. And this time, might as well have just went to the aquarium, man. It was bad. I don't know if it were, they were picked over. I don't know if there was some, some weather I didn't know about. But uh, unfortunately, Sanibel Captiva did not live up to its name for me that weekend. So maybe it was fine that she wasn't there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we will figure it out next time. So, Stan, why don't we, let's just, we got to get something out of the way real early because everybody is talking about this. Ladies and gentlemen, we are recording this on Tuesday, April 12th. And of course... In the news, everybody is talking about it, and unless you are a trunk slamming man in the van, there is no way you could not have heard that Kaseya and Datto have announced that they will enter into a definitive agreement for Kaseya to acquire Datto. And what's funny is it is an all-cash transaction funded by an equity consortium led by Insight Partners. The deal is worth $6.2 billion. It represents a 52% premium to Datto's unaffected stock price and represents a 48% premium to the unaffected 30-day volume-weighted average price of Datto stock for the period ending March 16, 2022. And of course, Kaseya's global customers are thinking this is exciting news. Basically, Datto has a legendary commitment to its customers and employees. And the news has been all over the place, Stan. I know that uh, you have used Datto. I use Datto. I don't even know if you use Kaseya products. Uh, do you? 
Got to unmute yourself, mate. Aha, sorry. <laughs> uh, I caught myself. Unfortunately, I do not. Well, fortunately, I guess I do not use Kaseya products. Um, now, you know, one of the things that I've done, uh, I think many of you have known because I've talked about it, is actually doing work with other MSPs. So I have had a little bit of exposure through that. Um, the biggest one being IT glue for documentation. Um, and unfortunately, I am underwhelmed to say the least, but I also can't tell you how that product was pre-Kaseya, right? So uh, not sure if they've just bought it and stopped developing or if they bought it and, you know, turned it around, right? <laughs> for, for, for lack of better words of what I'm thinking. So, um, but I will say this on the other side, I'm a Daddle, I'm a Daddle guy. Right. Uh, so I, I do resell data. I use uh, a multitude of products uh, ranging from Backupify to backup solutions uh, through my work. With some other people, I use their RMM product, which actually I like. Um, I don't hate it. I don't I don't love it, but I like it. I think it, it does the job. It does it very well for what it does. Um, but if I recall, that was a product that they bought. Right. They didn't build that from the ground up. The, um, the RMM? The RMM, right? Well, so, they, yeah, the Datto RMM was purchased along with the Autotask. And correct. I use IT Glue, which previously I was a monkey box uh, user. Okay. And okay. They, and okay. They, they absorbed that. Yeah. Um, I don't use, I did take a look at Datto RMM, as of course you know that I am of the Solar Winds tree. Uh, which so is am now, I, as am I. We, we, yep, um, yep, yep. They had to rebrand to make sure yeah. <laughs> for obvious reasons, right? But I have used the uh, RMM and Autotask. I have one client that I sub for. It's actually not my client, but they do all of their ticketing in Autotask and uh, Datto RMM. So I do have to go in there for that product, for that company. And eh, it's all right. I mean... It wasn't enough to make me switch, but that doesn't mean much. I mean, it could be a great product. Yeah, and and then uh, we can't forget the other prop. There's two other products that we can't forget about. Um, their uh, open mesh, right, or their access points to DNA and all that stuff, which exactly. I know I, I don't I don't get involved in. I know a lot of people <laughs> weren't happy with that acquisition. Um, and then lastly, your data workplace, right? Yep. Um, so so, and I I actually have a client that we use that. Uh, pretty heavily. I mean, I think we're up to about three terabytes of storage on that thing. So, um, you know, a bigger entity, about 180 employees. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I mean, there's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, the overwhelming uh, state of the industry, or at least people's feelings that I've seen, whether it's been a data on data forums or Reddit or other places have been that this is a terrible move. This is going to be the end of data as we know it. And, um, you know, start looking for a new BDR vendor uh, because essentially what was considered the last company that gave a damn about MSPs, let's say it that way, um, is essentially uh, going to be gone now. So um, I don't know. Uh, I say I don't know because there's a lot that can happen. Um, I, I believe that you can absorb a company and still allow them or that portion of the business to operate the same, except the only thing is, um, if I recall, um, one of the companies or, or uh, financial firms that's involved in the transaction actually is the same company that actually owns Veeam, that is which is interesting. Yep. So there's going to be all kinds of overlap 
Um, and I hate to say this, but in, in one of the tool sets that I use for, for something else that I do, um, I got, you know, I said, Hey, I'm going to renew this license for three years. Um, are you folks definitely going to continue to develop with the company? I said, are you guys going to definitely develop the product continue to, cause otherwise I'll just get a one-year license. The point is I have to get a license because I can't use this product absent a license. So of course the salesperson promised me that nothing will ever change. Everything will be the same. I pay the money for the three-year license. We're about maybe a year into it now. Um, I see the product starting to lack on development. I said, hey, you know, I'm trying to do this thing that I can't do because the program hasn't been updated. When are you guys going to update it? And I got told, well, we're not going to update it because not at, not to do what you wanted to do because it's competing with another one of our products that we have. And that wouldn't make sense for us to update it. And of course, I went into the rant about how I was told that this would not happen. And here we are, me trusting, you know, you vendor. Uh, and here we are a year later, you know, I'm, I got two years left on some licensing and I'm what I didn't want to happen is happening. Right. And now this tool is about to become useless to me if I can't use it for this purpose. So um Salespeople are going to be salespeople, right? Uh, But at the end of the day, I think you know and I know they don't really make the decisions, right? They don't sit in the C-suite. They're not. They're not uh, upper management. Um, So none of us know what's going to happen, good or bad. So um, I'm. I'm hopeful. I I can be optimistic, but uh, I will have a plan B if necessary. Well, I think something that we have to realize is that these decisions are now being driven by stockholders, shareholders, more than MSPs and IT professionals because they they want to see a return. And you've got the venture capitalists, you know, they want their money. So a lot of these all of a lot of these decisions. Now, I'm sure that they will try their best to appease us and make products that we want to use. And that'll be the thing to see. Now, this deal isn't going to happen until, you know, much, much later. It's not like it's going to Yeah, I think they said second quarter of this year, right? Second half, second half, second half. So, you know, for all we know, it could be December 31st, right? Right. Um, You know, they're going to have to go through regulatory situations because it's a public company and all that other stuff. So who knows? But, uh, you know, you know, It's a lot, right? Uh, You know, I have a very, very um, interesting view on this because one of the things that I've always heard, and whether it's accurate or not is, is a different story, but in my opinion it is, is the maturity of an industry happens through consolidation, okay? As consolidation happens in an industry, they say that's the industry itself maturing. Right. And we're talking about the Datto acquisition, but that wasn't the only acquisition. Right. You know, you had the TD Cynics acquisition yep. merger that happened. Um, I think PAX 8 just got some more funding. That's not an acquisition, but I know that occurred as well. So I guess my whole thing is, although we can hate these things, um, the fact that people or, 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 or funds are pouring money into our industry um, 
is probably a good thing means that there's money to be made either whether it's for them or for us right so i think you can kind of look at it two different ways in, in in my opinion you can look at it like i can't believe this this is terrible or you can look at it and says hey you know the industry is maturing um you know products are getting mature right uh somebody's putting a value on it that it's worth purchasing. Um, and hopefully maybe it yields to a better product for us at the end. But I know this, any company who exists and doesn't deliver at some point, you're going to, they're not going to, they're going to cease to exist no matter how big or how small they are. Right. Uh, you'll get a disruptor that comes in. So that's, that's my opinion on that. Well, if we take a look at other industries, the automobile industry, you know, there have been manufacturers that got gobbled up, you know, and basically it's Ford, you know, Dodge Chrysler and that sort of a thing. And then you've got the appliance industry. You've got, you know, all of the appliances that were around that are now consolidating. That And that's true. That's true. So, um and guess what? And some people are not going to exist. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's my whole thing. If if a company sucks as much as everyone is saying it sucks, I guess my whole thing around it is then we're not going to have to worry about it. If everybody jumps ship, they have no money, their shareholders are going to sell their stock and, and maybe somebody else will come and buy the company, right? Um, or does that leave something else, which I consider is an opening for someone else to come in and take over, right? Um, or create a product that's going to do what they need it to do. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting because, as we've seen, if you're a good company, you're probably going to be approached to be bought out at some point. And, you know, companies that want to grow are looking to buy up-and-coming companies. So that's happened, you know, with the RMM space for many, many years. And then... You know, it's going to continue to happen. But like you said, people can float themselves in on the back end and look at the companies like Synchro now and Atera and some of the, the RMM companies that are coming in with the all-in-ones that are filling that lower end space. But at some point, they're going to grow and they're going to be in the same situation as some of the big boys. So. Well, and I think something else just to, to really put out there and not forget um, people that are creating these things, these products, I mean, they're, you know, look, I'm not saying that there may not be good intentions to start. Hey, I want to fix a problem, but at some point it becomes a business, right? And that business has to create a return for you, right? So, uh, you know, when, when the first private equity firm came into Datto and, and bought Austin out or whoever, and, 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 paid out. I mean, there, there could not be any expectation that these folks would not want a return on their investment in one way, shape or form. And I just think that it's very unrealistic uh, for MSPs or, or anybody who are, who's using these products, right. For us in the industry to think that that's not going to happen when the same way we're running businesses, these people are running businesses too. And, you know, maybe their exit plan is a little bit better, a, a little bit more well thought out than ours is. Right? right. But at the end of the day, there is an exit 
especially if you have something that's valuable, right? And look, Kaseya, I don't think that Kaseya is buying this thing because they don't think they're going to make more money than what they paid, right? I mean, they believe that there's going to be a multiple in them for them, and so do the financial firms that have uh, lined up the credit and the funding, right, for the all-cash deal. Uh, You don't pay a premium for something expecting not to get your money back plus. It's just that simple. Yeah. So let's let's do a little bit of a shift because I know that other people have talked – ad nauseum and this discussion will go on for weeks but let's do a little bit of a shift so i i've uh, teased you about being on a world tour this year and folks if you want to hear more and if you want to see stanley in person you're going to want to be a part of the ASCII success summits that are happening this year so you've already done a few uh, i probably will not see you until the miami one later this year in august but you are attending are you attending every single one of the ASCII Events. I'm going to be at every single one and speaking at every one on the second day at the first session. So I think I start about 8.50 or 9 o'clock a.m. Um, and I pretty much have about a 25-minute window in which I get to share uh, share some of my key su- success with you guys. But go ahead, Marv. I'll let you uh, <laughs> continue to introduce it. <laughs> well, what I was going to say, of course, I'll put the link in the show notes to – you know, if you have not signed up yet for an event, do that. And while we won't get into the details here, because you really want to go to the event to get the full picture. But in summary, Stan is a one-man army, just like most of us. Um, and you have done something that I think a lot of us has wanted to do. And I, I dubbed you the million-dollar man. And without getting into all the details about, you know, Is it a million dollars in service and hardware and blah, blah, blah. Basically, you hit a number that you set forth as a goal that you could do without having to expand your business in terms of personnel or anything like that. So let's just kind of do a little bit of of a shift and tell us in terms of all the turmoil that's going on with vendors, because a lot of what we do depends on vendors. And depends on the pricing that we get from vendors and stuff. Now, I've met you, what was it, five years ago now? In Chicago, right? Yep, yep. Which, by the way, I'll be in Chicago next week for the ASCII show, right? right? Um, but you and I met in Chicago. And did we meet at, no, we was it ABA? The American Bar Association? Well, that was the first time we saw each other in person. In person. Correct. Correct. We we knew of each other, but we got we got met, uh, we got introduced uh, virtually yes. right through yeah. Chad, Chad Kemp. By Chad, um, Mr. Daddle Kemp. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ultimate fanboy who has not much to say right now about what's going on, by no. the way. Um, <laughs> but yes, that's so. So that was our first in-person meet. Um, and I remember, uh, yeah, yeah, we grabbed some dinner. And by the way, thank you, Uncle Mar, for taking me around Chicago and uh, having pizza at Luminati uh, that day. I do remember uh, I had to try the deep dish. They tell me, uh, and believe me, it does not compare to a New York slice. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I just had to put that out there. But that Portilla hot dog is very good, I will say. Um, so, yeah, so uh, – Yes. So you and I being a a solo shop, solo shops and having this conversation um, and and one of the things that happened. So, yeah. So, you know, let me just summarize. Right. So, yes, um, I have uh, have done over a million dollars in business uh, two years running now. Um, I'm, I'm way on pace to surpass that already this year, as long as things continue as they are. Um, And, uh, you know, one of my major things is. 
I realize that when people tell you you can't do something, um, it really has nothing to do with whether you can or cannot. It has to do with them and what they can or cannot do or what they think they can or cannot do. Um, And the minute that I kind of shed other people's beliefs in that regard and set my eye on the goal. Right. Um, and by the way, the goal came in a pretty silly fashion, which I tell everybody. Um, and, and, and Chad is, is, is part of, uh, is one of the, uh, one of the, uh, inspirations, I guess, because Chad said, if you ever hit this, I will print shirts with my, with your face on it. And I will wear it at every single tech event that I go to. Um, and I thought that that was pretty damn hilarious and why not? And then I had another friend of mine, um, who owned a basement waterproofing company, my buddy, Doug Lynch, who said to me, Stan, as a solo shop, you'll never be able to hit those numbers, even though he wasn't in our industry. Um, so I took those, challenges or people saying that I cannot, uh, as a way to figure out, okay, how can I make this happen? Um, but one of the big things is you just mentioned vendors. Um, my business, I've always told everybody that I sell product to get service. Okay. Um, I'm not telling you I don't make margin on products, right? Of course I do. But my end goal is delivering service because I believe in what we do and in this industry, service is where you're going to make the most money, okay? Um, You know, whatever, you get a a license for antivirus that costs you a dollar, you sell it for two. Okay, you got a, you know, 100% markup. Um, Fine, right? But how many of those do you have to sell to get a steak dinner, (laughs) right? Meanwhile, you do an hour of service, right? Um, Or a project, And now you have steak dinners multiple times over. So I've always said that I sell hardware and and software and all those things because they're necessary evils, but I really focus on the service. And the one big thing that I can tell you is value-based billing. Um, And I'm not going to tell you value-based billing as it relates to everything, but I will say when it comes to projects, I flat rate projects, okay? Um, I do not quote projects hourly, um, you know, anything from an exchange migration to a server migration to setting up a new computer, you know, anything new as a project, setting up a printer, all that stuff is flat rated. Now, Uncle Marv, I'm sure you you can agree with me on this. Because it's me or because it's you or because of some of the listeners, it's us in our businesses, you should know how long it takes you to do this, right? Um, you don't have staff where you're handing something over to somebody and it should take them an hour and it takes them five, right? I believe that because we are the experts and we, are, you know, we're the technicians, we're the salespeople, we're the whole nine yards, you should know how long it takes you to do certain things so you can make the value-based billing really work to your advantage um, in terms of your time uh, you know, instead of billing for time, because I hate to say this, I, every time I bill hourly, I feel like I'm cheating myself, right? Because if you're efficient and you know what you're doing and you do it right, hourly billing actually hurts you. You know, I believe. Um, but like I said, it's not to say that I don't do hourly work. I do. But, uh, you know, if you do the math in my hourly rate, you know, can I hit the numbers I hit? 
just doing hourly work 40 hours a week? The answer is no, right? But projects come into that, right? Or MSP contracts come into that. So um, just making sure that you're, um, how can I say, that you're uh, pricing those packages correctly, uh, that you're in line, that you're not discounting yourself because you are a solo shop. There's no reason why you can't charge the same thing as a 200-person shop as far as I'm concerned, right? That whole I have less overhead thing, I think you need to throw that out the window because if you can, if you have the expertise, you know how to do the work, you're going to deliver a superior product, you need to get compensated accordingly. So just right there on that tip alone. So I don't use that excuse of I have less overhead because the bottom line is, and you've been here, you've seen my office. Um, my overhead ain't cheap mm-hmm. because I have what could be considered a storefront or an office space that, and you haven't seen the new space by the way that I'm nope. here in studio B recording in. Um, but I have space for technicians if I need them. I have space to store inventory. You know, I've got a front reception area. I, you know, have got all these things. But I do the value-based billing also to where I've stopped giving everything. Now, I, I still do some line items to where I'll say, here's, here's, the, here's the sub uh, total for the hardware, and then here's my labor. But I don't specify out how many hours I'm going to spend on that project. And thanks to my partnership with Lifecycle Insights, and I don't know if you use them or not, but when I go through and do my business reports, and I just did one a couple of weeks ago where, you know, the the managing partner of the law firm wanted to know, he goes, I need to know how old my servers are and how much it would cost to replace them and blah, blah, blah. So I was able to quickly go in there and print out a report and when it comes to the servers, it's one line per server that lists, here's what you have, and here's what it would cost to replace it. And, you know, it's $30,000 for a server. And he's like, well, what does that break down to? And I said, that's everything. That's your hardware. That's your licenses. That's my labor. And I said, yeah. do you really want to start nitpicking, you know, because that's going to make it more? Well, and, and, what's, and that's the thing. So. To that point of you mentioning, I don't know how that product works. I can imagine um, it's going to tell you what's in a warranty, what's out of warranty replacement, right? Yep. I always tell everybody, when I put something in, I believe that our industry is very predictable, okay? Let's just back up. Let's just go to that, right? I believe our industry is very predictable, and I, I have a hard time when – MSPs, IT providers, VARs, consultants, whatever you want to call us, right, have issues with certain things. When I put a server in a small business, if we're not doing the Azure route, right, if I'm putting a server in a small business, I give my small business customers five years to replace that server, okay? Um, You can go shorter, you go longer, it's fine. But in that whole five years, it's going to be covered under manufacturer warranty. And at year four, I already started having the conversation about replacement okay and putting the quote in front of them to your point i mean the way i work my quotes um, i'm a quote works guy so i just what i do is i bundle hardware software service in chunks right obviously something like a server that's everything but let's just pretend i was doing server work i had to do a networking upgrade uh, i had to do a couple of new computers what i would do is i break them out into three separate groups 
right? The first group would be the server, inclusive of software, labor, everything, like you said, just one number. The next group would be all the networking hardware, same kind of thing. And then lastly would be the uh, computers, right? Mm -hmm. I would do it per computer and say, you know, get as many as you want, right? You want 10, we just make it 10. So everything inclusive. So if a client does want to kind of, hey, let's do this now and do this later, that's fine. But we're still not having that conversation that you're talking about, about how many hours is it going to take you, blah, blah, blah. No, no, this is the total cost, right? Um, so with that said, I think that even if you go into your current clients and if you've been around for a while, like you have, and I have, right, you have clients, uh, that need things to be replaced, right? Even if it's workstations, like same thing. I tell people I prefer to replace workstations every three years, right? They tend to get the brunt of things, especially the laptops. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like they don't last as long as desktops still, maybe that's in my brain, but, uh, I start putting those quotes in front of people, right? Same thing. Hey, let them know this is what we have to do. So no one is surprised when the time comes. Now, the other side of this is if you're under contract and your hardware becomes out of warranty, as stated in my contract, that is no longer a covered item. So when we go into the conversation about how do we get people to do the things that they're supposed to do, that's really one of those things that I use. But I have to say that I've been fortunate to kind of weed out the people who tend not to listen to me, right, um, and understand. Uh, I, I just did a, a server project for a client the other day, and it was funny because when he broke down the lease amount, he laughed and said, "This we spend more in toilet paper every month, right? Whether that's accurate or not is a different story, but it was a $100,000 server project, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, it just – you just kind of, kind of, I, I believe, really, um, really believe in the product that you're you're offering. Really believe in your pricing, uh, uh, your price, the way that you price things. Um, really believe in in how you go about it. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, we're de- I'm delivering a very superior product. Um, and you know that client that we just did that server for, he actually was very hesitant. Uh, not in doing the project, but in how it was going to be because he had the big IT vendor prior, you know, 50 plus employees, and it took them six months to complete the server that I was replacing and having hiccups all the time. Mm. And, uh, you know, hate to say this, but uh, it was done in two and three weeks, two to three weeks. I think it was probably three weeks total. And his employees had no idea that a server migration was happening. Yep. Now, here's a question for you, and this is this might go a little off topic, but in terms of being able to provide the value, are you dealing with a lot of companies that are trying to get their cyber insurance renewed and they're being told what they have to do in terms of, you know, having their next-gen AV, having their EDR, having two-factor, multi-factor authentication? Are you getting that as you know, your companies are looking to do that. And are you billing now a premium based on that? So I will tell you now in terms of the clients are not really getting beat up to that extent. Um, There are minor things. And I think that this is going to be based on insurance companies, right? I believe it, right? Every insurance company is different, right? In terms of catching up or not catching up. Um, Luckily, even my policy, right? I I still don't have any crazy questions to answer with my carrier. Um, So the big one is MFA, right? Um, You know, 
and we throw that in without an issue. So that's not a problem. Uh, we could always answer yes to it. Um, I actually, I just took a client the other day and we just put them on, um, you know, we just, you know, started doing, you know, some of the fishing training and all that. And the company that we're using, I was able to give him a sheet that's literally three pages of information of what we're doing to provide to his pilot, to his uh, cyber insurance company. Right. Um, so, you know, there are some things that are happening. Um, that stuff is pretty much above and beyond uh, what we're typically billing for. Right. So it's not going to be an inclusive thing, right. It's going to be in addition to, and of course there are things that we're doing just because we want to be doing them. Right. So, you know, we do have, you know, the next gen uh, firewalls, we do have uh, the, the EBR and stuff like that, just because we feel that it should be there. Right. Uh, but I have to tell you that I haven't been presented so far, surprisingly, especially in the area we are in. Um, I mean, the last one I just looked at was a client of mine who's an accounting firm and you had to see, I mean, the questions were rudimentary, you know, I mean, it wasn't, the ins- these insurance companies still, I mean, I know it's going to get there, but they weren't fully in depth yet, but I know it's coming. I mean, I know it's coming and we're ready for it. Well, when we're done with the show, I'll have you refer back to a show I did a couple of weeks ago and I'll show you the link with some of the questions that my clients have gotten. And I've had three customers get these questionnaires and they literally are asking, are you doing this? And here are example companies of who you could be going with. So We'll have that another discussion. I don't want to uh, bog down the listeners redoing that, but you and I will do that. Now, let's go back to the comment that you made about you sell products to get service. So one of the things that I've been adjusting is for all of the products, not just the, you know, remote management that I do, you know, in the, in the beginning, it was just, well, here's what it costs per endpoint, and then here's my additional margin for service. So now I'm making completely separate line items in my spreadsheet. Now the customer never sees that. So I give, you know, here's my number of endpoints, here's my Wi-Fi, here's my firewall, and here's how many hours it'll take for me to support it. I'm starting to add in the hours to support all of the other things that come in, such as, you know, the exchange 365 endpoints, um, some of the other things that they want us to deal with third-party management, I'm now adding in additional line items of service for those. So how are you tying your service when you sell products? Okay. When, when, so, it's, when it's not a project. Now, projects, I understand. But if yeah, you're just yeah. quoting somebody monthly service, how are you doing that? Yeah. So one of the things is I am very definitive about what is included and what is not included. So I'm going to give you what I consider the simple example. Copy, the copier, right? We all have issues with copiers, right? Every single one of us. There's nobody who's listening to this who who has not had an issue with the copier. The copier that they didn't provide the client, the copier that the client pays somebody else monthly for, for supplies and maintenance, but somehow it ends up on your shoulders, right? So, for instance, in my contract is a section that says, Anything provided by third parties is not included. So when I get the call that, hey, by the way, the copier company is coming in to bring in a brand new copier today, as if you guys didn't know this for four weeks, that's billed above and beyond, okay? Um, When I get the call saying the copy company wants to get, wants your help because 
we can't, we're, we're adding a new employee who needs to scan and they need help to put the button in and they don't want to send somebody out. That is billable above and beyond. Okay. Um, so the short of it for me is anything that I did not specify that is inclusive of the contract is billable above and beyond. So I'm going to back up. I have clients that are full Azure, right? Full Azure, full 365. I mean, everything, like literally no hardware on site besides thin clients that are remoting in to, to, to do the work. Um, I know that going in. Um, and I quoted everything accordingly, right? So I'm actually providing them with the infrastructure, right? They're not paying Microsoft and then paying me, right? My support costs are in there. My infrastructure costs is in there. I'm putting all that stuff in my, as you call it, the spreadsheet, right? And accounting for it because I know what it's going to take. So one of the things that I've done a lot is moving people to 365, uh, you know, from on-prem exchange at 365. and once again, all that is getting bundled in into their monthly cost, right? So, um, so I'm not in a, I'm not, it's not really a problem for me. I don't see it as a, as a, oh my God, what am I going to do? Because at any point, if we start adding things that we didn't have before, then your, their monthly just gets bigger, right? Their, their, their line item for their monthly cost just changes. Um, and it's in very few instances that I actually, uh, will sell something individual as an individual line item. So it, it becomes less of a problem. But yeah, I personally haven't seen an issue with that because any of that stuff comes from me. So all of it. So, so let's go back now. Do you resell any of your 365 products through say app river, Pax8, SureWeb, or anything like that? Yeah, hundred percent. So let and me you, give you the, and you fully resell it as what white label, so the customer pays no, you. No, 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 no. Well, yeah. So let me let me. So actually, the three sixty five one is a good one because everybody was up, you know, up in arms, you know, two months ago. Um, so actually, this is part of my spiel. So I'm just going to throw it out there. The three sixty five thing was something that everybody in the industry should have. Should should have been should have been able to use to show their value to their clients. Let me explain. Microsoft told us back in August, I think it was, that they were going to increase their pricing. Yes. Okay. Everyone acting like in February, like they had no idea that this was coming, which was just completely and utter BS. All right. I don't have another word for it. We all knew this was coming. Let me tell you what Stanley Lewis at Fluid Designs did. I reached out to all of my clients in January and I said to them, this is what you're paying now. Microsoft is going to be increasing their prices anywhere from, I guess it was 15% to 35%. Okay. I can lock you in starting February 1st for the next year at today's price because the pricing was supposed to change to like March 15th or something like that. Anybody who pre, who had already paid me, you know, uh, let's say a year ahead or whatever, I gave them, I said, by the way, if you object to this, just shoot me an email and say, no, Stanley, I don't want to do it. Here's my sheet, which I'll show you. I know we're on audio for, for the viewers, but I'll show you. Here's my little stupid sheet I had 
where I printed everybody out and everybody one by one, as I called, I emailed them and said, they said, yes, do it. Every penny counts. Thank you. All nothing but positivity. Right. And what I did is the people who it wasn't all included right into their monthly. What happened is they got a bill for February 1st for the whole year and they all paid it. So people who are under contract where I am doing everything all inclusive, right? Cause I do do break fix. Let's not, let's not, let's not forget that. I will, if I sell you a computer, I'm going to sell you a, a one year Microsoft license with it. Right. Cause we're not buying uh, boxed uh, uh, retail licenses anymore. Right. So I took this as an opportunity to look good in front of our, in front of the clients and it worked well as far as I'm concerned. And now my people are locked in and don't have to worry about this price increase to 2023. Okay. Now that's the price increase, but what about the new commerce experience where Microsoft wants to, you know, lock you in and make you responsible if, even if a customer leaves. Yeah, I don't care about that because they all paid. They're all, so if I show you my pack. So you had all your customers prepay for the year. Yes. That's, and that's, and that, that was the, that was the part that I just couldn't understand. Right. So, you know, we mentioned Datto earlier. If you sell Datto and I sell Datto, I know one thing for sure. We all have devices under contract. And if your customer decides to stop paying you, you still owe Datto the money because you signed a contract with Datto. Yep. So what I've said regarding this whole prepayment and if clients leave, I don't buy it until you pay me for it. So it was very simple because I sent the client an invoice for a year. If I had their credit card, I just hit their credit card. Otherwise, I waited for them to send me my money, which they all did, right? And then I locked in with Paxi. So I, I, don't, I don't understand where the, the issue is for people in this whole thing. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If a client does not want to lock in, let's just pretend, right? Pretend we got one client who doesn't want to lock in. That's fine. You're going to pay the increase. That's it. There's no, there's no argument. I'm going to bill you on the first of every month like I used to. And, but instead of paying, you're going to pay the new price, right? I'm not going to lock you in to the old price. And then you're going to, you, you know, you're going to screw me over. I mean, that's, that's silly. That what, what kind of business that's, that's bad business. So I don't know. I go off on a tangent about this because I get extremely passionate because it's just a business thing that we all deal with. You lock somebody in to an agreement and then you lock yourself in with a vendor. I don't see, this is no different. This is no different. No, it isn't. It's, it's, I just wanted to get your touch, your, your, your feel on that. Cause it's funny. Most of my clients are monthly. So all I did was tell them your monthly is going up. I didn't even give them the option if they wanted to prepay for a year. Uh, I just said, you're going up. And they said, okay. Now I do have one customer that prepays, but they're with App River, and I'm just a reseller through App River. So mm-hmm. I don't care what they do with App River. App yeah. River sends me my money once it's all said and done. So I didn't yeah, yeah. worry you're, about you're getting it on the back end, like, almost like an advisor, right? Yeah. So yeah, so so they're they're paying App River Direct. You're tied to the account, but yeah. you're like you said, they matter. Yeah, and that's and I think that's what was so comical about this entire thing for me, how the industry was was acting because instead of realizing like the best thing is for me to tell you that a vendor is going up in price, okay? So 
And that's what happened. Microsoft changed their price. What can I do? I don't run Microsoft. Yeah, and, I, and I think one of the things that we all need to remember, and this gets lost, and it's getting lost in the whole data thing too, um, is we have to remember we are reselling other people's products. Unless you make your own operating system, unless you make your own email. I mean, like we're using other people's, um, you know, we're using other people's, uh, other people's devices, software, right? I'm not building my own computers, right? I'm an HP server shop, right? I mean, you're at the mercy of what these companies do or don't do, raising their prices or don't raise them. So, you know, you just got to come to terms that that's the reality of, of the world in which you and I live in. And when you understand that, you, I think you're it's easier to navigate around, you know, in my opinion. I it just is. think that, you know. And you made the point earlier, it's all about the value that the customer sees in us. And again, I do a lot of the same things that you do where, you know, I tell people, look, this isn't me that's making these decisions, you know. Microsoft does whatever it wants. And if you want service from Microsoft, I will help you. Otherwise, feel free to go direct to Microsoft yourself and try to get service. But I can help you with that. And then, of course, if you want to shop around, you know, and find other service providers, you know, you're going to get what you pay for. Now, are there service providers better than me? Sure. I'm not going to deny that. And I'm not going to, you know, try to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. But I've been in business, you know, more than 25 years and I've done a pretty good job at it. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. The phone number is going to change. The address is going to change. Right. When it's a problem, you're going to find me. Um, You know, I think it's like I said, the industry is very interesting. Um, But I think we have to remember something. And I hate to say this, but it is what it is. I mean. I think there's three buckets of people in this industry, and I, I talk about this often. I think that there are people who are great salespeople. I think there are people, that's one bucket. The second bucket is people who are great technicians. And then the third bucket is are people who are both good salespeople and technicians. That's where I put myself. That's where I would put, I put you in, right, because we do it all. Um, and sometimes I think that's where we get people get stuck in the weeds because the people who are good at sales. They're not thinking about the tech. So, you know, to be honest with you, I'm envious of people who are good at sales and don't do any tech because those folks are able to go close deals and then move on to the next deal. Right. They're not thinking about anything else because someone else is implementing. But the text is where I believe a lot of people get stuck in the weeds. Um, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday in regards to reclaiming money that somebody owed him. And the reason why I'm going to bring this up is I was asking him a litany of questions to help to understand, you know, is he going to be successful in recovering this money legally? But he told me something that he started to do work for this company for six weeks before having a conversation on agreeing on price. And I said, why would you do that? And he said, well, I wanted to be the good guy. And I said, there is, it's not about being a good guy or a bad guy in business. You can't go and render services when someone did not agree to something because they're not going to pay. Right. Which is your problem. Like, yeah, he was owed like, you know, $13,000. He told me. And 
I don't believe he's going to be able to recover a dollar of that money um, because they're going to say, I didn't agree to anything. I, I This guy just came. I don't know why he showed up. It did work for, wow. for, for, but, you know, you know, being a good guy or maybe he just wanted to show his technical skills off. You know, I don't know, you know, but at the end of the day, you got to remember you're a business owner first. And I'm not telling you that you can't be fantastic at what you do. You can't love what you do. You can't love your clients, but you need to understand that the business elements come first. Okay. And then you come in and show them your technical side and do well and keep the employees happy. And those people will keep coming back. Right. I have long-term clients. I still, have my first client ever when I was like 16 years old. And I know you, right? You have long-term clients as well. I believe that, you know, we're able to stand the test of time because we are able to deliver, but you can't not put the business element first. If you do, you're not going to be around. If you don't, you're not going to be around. Well, I can say this. And some people that I'm talking with over the last few months are starting to get it. But that was one of the things that I learned early on is nothing happens without an agreement, period. And now my agreements weren't necessarily great agreements, but it was an agreement. Whether it was a handshake or something that I could point back to and say, we said we would do this and you would pay me for this. And that's the way it is. And now back in the day, you could get away with a handshake. Can't do that now. So now everything's in paper. I got to have it signed. There's going to be initials. And that's going to happen before I even show up. Yeah. And, and that's the, you know, look, you know, I'll, I'll just give an example. If you were to say, hey, Stan, I need some help with something real quick. It's going to be simple. I write an email. I'm going to probably write you an email, right? And say, hey, Marv, this is my hourly rate. I bill in full hour increments. Uh Anything after five is going to be time and a half. Do you, based on what you told me, it's probably going to take two hours to do what you need done. Do you agree? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I'm saying, you know, in terms of a break fix type situation. Right. And like I said, I email you, you're going to email me back. Yes, I agree. And that's good enough for me. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about that. Um, but when it comes to bigger projects, I'm going to tell you, everything goes out through quote works for me. Okay. And one of the things that I love about the product, and I know there's others like it, which is I send it to you. When you accept, you then get presented with the pay option. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't do anything until you pay. So so people pay when it comes to projects, they hit the button, they pay. And then I get the, the nice email that said your, the quote has been accepted. Marvin has paid. And then I put it and I do my export and I hear the cash register ring, right? Cause that's what quote works does. Cha-ching. And I'm happy. And now I go along and do my thing. And look, and like I said, it's not to say that I'm, I'm uh, look, m- money doesn't have the impact that it used to have for me. Uh, I used to think that I would want to make tens of millions of dollars, but uh, you know, as long as I'm able to do what I need to do. But at the end of the day, You know, I believe that uh, we got to put the business element first because it's going to spill over into our personal lives and what we want to do. All right. So checking time here. Okay, we're doing okay. I want to make sure that I go back and revisit the points that you made in terms of one sell product to get service because service makes the most money. And to bill based on value-based billing. So in terms of the monetary side of the business, you've touched on how you were able to grow and stuff. Are there any tips not related to money 
that helped you grow and hit those million dollar marks over the last two years? Yes. I actually think that um, one of the big things for me is process. Um, You know, if you ever look at my office, it's a mess. I'm looking at it while I talk to you right now, but I have to tell you something when it comes to being to a machine to on the computer process is very important for me. Um, And I want to, I'll dig into that a little bit more. This is a dictatorship. Okay. It's just that simple. I, I, I know it sounds terrible, but I'm the expert. I'm the one supporting the environment. I'm the one who's going to be responsible if things don't happen the way they're supposed to happen. So I say that because even in my selection process of what I put into client environments, all lead to the having the maximum uptime. Okay. Some people may say you don't need that in this client because of their size. And my thing is I do because that's what I do, right? I like to have, you know, I'm not going to call it a cookie cutter, but I'm going to call it a cookie cutter situation uh, from client A to client B to client C to client D. I don't jump around with vendors, okay? That's why this Datto thing is a big, right? Datto's my BDR company, okay? I don't use another BDR, okay? Meraki is my firewall company. I don't use another firewall, right? Uh, HP is my server workstation and and laptop company i don't use anybody else right so being able to stick to my my process in regards to this is what we do here this is who we plug in here allows me to do more okay because i'm not scrambling around trying to figure out what vendor product to plug in to what I have going on because it's already memorized in my wheelhouse, right? So I spend less time doing that stuff, also availing me more time to do work, right? Um, The other thing is chasing small clients is the same effort as chasing bigger clients, okay? Um, So when folks are looking for those sub 10 clients and that kind of stuff, that effort to find those clients is going to be the same as finding a client with 50, 50 employees. So it's in, it's to your advantage to go in and try to find the bigger clients if you can, right. And sell them. Another thing I'm going to give you looking at other MSPs or people in our industry as resources. Okay. They're not competitors, you know, prior to me joining, you know, ASCII, which is, is, it was probably six, seven years now, I didn't do anything in the industry. I didn't know other people. I wouldn't have known you, right? I, I, I just, I, I did things like Chamber of Commerces and Rotaries and all these other kind of networking events that were really business to business, but they weren't anything focused in our industry. And one thing that I learned while getting in the industry is realizing that I can be a resource for other people in the industry. Right. Uh, right. I, people know me as the exchange guy. Right. Uh, you know, I could take your client from on prem to exchange, you know, to 365 or or do a bunch of stuff on prem. I just did a job for an ASCII member um, for his client that, uh, you know, was uh, was an on site to on site exchange migration that, you know, fully redundant the whole nine yards. But the whole point is, right, like you said, putting the money aside. I didn't go in to build these relationships thinking there was going to be money attached to them. 
right? I just made genuine friendships and connections and then realized that I also, you know, that these folks were reaching out to me to help them out with stuff. So network with your other fellow MSPs and IT professionals, because guess what? You might have a, an area of expertise that they don't, and they may need your help on. Just like me, I don't go out and do wiring, right? I have other IT providers who I partner with, right? When I need wiring jobs, I have them go out and handle that for me. So they get revenue from me, right? From that respect. So, um, you know, so don't be afraid to subcontract or put yourself out there as an expert. Well, I can attest to that. I've spoken about this many times. I spent many years before ASCII just plugging along. And when I joined ASCII, my business doubled just in the knowledge alone and the experience and the friendships and the camaraderie and, you know, meeting other people certainly was a big benefit. And I've gotten some business out of it, just like you, where people call up and say, Hey, you're in Fort Lauderdale. I got a client that needs this. Can you help? Or, you know, Hey, I hear you do this. Well, can you help me? Those things are tremendous. And I would encourage everybody to follow Stan and I's lead. Join ASCII, join peer groups, get something, and keep learning about the business. And this is whether you're just starting out or been in for a few years and you want to grow or you're an MSP and you've been doing it for 20 years, but you, you've, you hit a plateau, you know, find somebody else in the industry and reach out and say, hey, you know what, I, I've been, you know, peddling in circles can you, can you give me something to help get me out of this rut? And trust me, somebody will have it. And it might be just a little tweak in your business to make you go from 500 grand a year to 1 million plus, like Stan the man. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. But no, I, like I said, I, I and, and I tell everybody this, look, I'm accessible. You guys can, right? I could be called, emailed, touched, right? If you show up to an ASCII event or anything else that I'm at, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not this crazy unicorn. Um, and, I, and I believe that, uh, um, you know, you know that can happen, right? People can view it all. This guy's just, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he's just got some clients that I don't have. But I'll tell you this, man. I'm doing, I do work for some people all over the country. And you'd be surprised in some areas, you know, what people can command in terms of their hourly, right? You know, because my imagination, if they're willing to pay, you know, I'm in New York, New Jersey, right? If people are willing to pay my hourly and they're in middle America, right? They must be billing more than me, right? <laughs> right? Or at least, you know, telling the client, hey, you know, this guy's coming in special to help us with this. So we're going to charge you accordingly. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, just don't be afraid. I mean, uh, <laughs> this, you know, look, it's very, this whole thing is loaded. Um, because like I said, I think it's a lot of the time, it's our own self-limiting beliefs. And I believe that once you're able to put that to the side and you say, Hey, look, I can do this. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go for it. You can in fact make it happen. And in our business, because we do have a lot of things that we can resell that are low touch or no touch, I guess you can say, right. Um, I think it's easier, right? Like, look, I do work for a lot of lawyers as do you, you and I both know, unless you're a contingency lawyer, if they're billing hourly, they don't get paid unless they're working. Right. Right. They have to actually actively be working 
and clocking in time to, to bill. Meanwhile, you and me with certain things, you know, whatever, call it Microsoft 365 if you want. I'm not saying we're making a killing off of it, but you can literally bill and make a percentage on something, right, on the first of the month or, or your MSP contracts before you technically lifted a finger. So, um, you know, so I think that's just important to note that we can scale a little bit better than some other industries because of that, in my opinion. Absolutely. All right, Stan, that was a great set of nuggets you gave, folks. If you want to get more of that, head out to one of the ASCII events in your area and see Stan. Again, I will put the show note link in there for the ASCII events. Uh, I will be at the one in Miami, August 23rd and 24th. I was planning to attend another one, but I think I have a little bit of a conflict coming up. Uh, so that is that there. Now I will, will be at another event, TechCon Unplugged, September 16th through the 18th in Chicago. And that is being hosted by our good friends over at MSP Unplugged. I'm doing something in terms of hosting and emceeing. I just don't know what yet. So when I find out, I will let you know, but I will be there. Head over to tectonunplugged.com and get your tickets. Again, I mentioned last week, you missed out on the discounted price, so they are $299 now, but uh, you can still register, sign up, get your hotel. It is at the Hilton Rosemont Chicago O'Hare, a very nice Hilton restaurant, I might, or hotel, I might say, so... Nice rooms, nice meeting areas. It's going to be a great time. All right, Stan, that is it for the show. And I'm not going to hit you with the Florida man or random question that we used to do. But I will say, if you had to guess what the Florida uh, man headline for today was, what do you think it would be? (laughs) I actually saw a Florida story today. And... uh... I hate to say this, but uh, apparently, as much as everybody up in the Northeast area is making fun of you guys for COVID, apparently there's a headline that I saw was that you guys, it's going to take a whole lot more than COVID to beat you guys down. And apparently you guys fared off better than we did. Uh, Quite amazingly so. I'm surprised, especially with spring break uh, just ending up here. But uh, this is uh, basically on behalf of our good friend, Chad. (laughs) here's the top story for today florida man arrested after cops find him with drugs guns and a live alligator during a traffic stop (laughs) so i will have a link uh in the show notes to that story yes folks a live alligator in the car with this man and uh just another tuesday in florida Florida man. All right. Uh, Thank you very much, folks, for downloading and subscribing to the show. This has been an audio version of the IT Business Podcast. If you'd like to get more, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com. Click the follow button at the top right-hand corner. Find your podcatcher, and you can catch the show anytime it is released. You can go and research other episodes and do a search and find your favorite guest, like Stan the Man, or find your favorite show. That's going to do it for this episode. We will be back with a live show this Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we'll be back with other shows 
and great content. But until then, folks, holla.